Philippians 3, 12 through 21. Not that I have already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies, ahead, what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way, and if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. For many of whom I have often told you and now tell you even with tears, walk as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their end is destruction and their God is their belly and they glory in their shame with minds set on earthly things. But our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly bodies to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Let's pray. Father, uh, just thankful, thankful for your word, your word that speaks to us, your word that transforms us. Lord, would you speak today? Would you give us ears to hear? Would you give us mouth to speak? Would you empower weak vessels to proclaim a powerful, strong gospel that, that changes us, that gives us the ability and freedom, Lord, to strive. We want to do that better because of Christ and what he's purchased for us on, on our behalf, Lord. Lord, help us just to, to grow up in Christ today. My name is Caleb. Um, been a member here. Jan and I have been a member here for nine years at Believer's Church, uh, three years from 2009 to 2012, and went to physical therapy school in 2012 to 2015, and been back for the last six years. We've been blessed to be a part of this body, blessed to grow and, and learn more about the gospel, that the gospel is the, the A to Z of the Christian life, and, and really been blessed to learn about the concepts of the kingdom of God, that we're citizens of a current kingdom where King Jesus reigns. Right, so that's been a blessing to our, our family and our, and our sons. Um, yeah, it's, it's, we, we've also been blessed by relationships here, people that have encouraged us and spurred us on in the faith to love Jesus more. And I'm excited to share with you guys today from Philippians 3.12 through 21, uh, the good news that Paul has for us, the good news and how that relates to our ability to strive. I think sometimes it's hard for us maybe to have a category for striving, right? Where gospel-centered church believes in the finished work of Jesus. So how does that relate? How's our striving relate to what's been finished and completed? But for Paul, this isn't intention, right? This these ideas, our striving, our working, is not in conflict with the sovereignty and finished work of Jesus, right? They're, they're in harmony. But sometimes we can look at striving with some skepticism, right? Some cynicism about striving. I think Paul wants that for us. If we look at this passage, we might think, man, Paul, aren't, aren't you making this a lot about you, right? Like you, you talk a lot here about your striving, your working, 
your pressing. Isn't this about the finished work of Jesus? I mean, Paul, haven't you already obtained this thing? Like, aren't you already perfect in Christ? And Paul, haven't you, like, gone through enough, right? You've been shipwrecked. This has cost you status. This has cost you relationships. It's cost you emotional and physical health. Why don't you just, like, chill, right? Just, like, relax, scale back a little bit. I think if we, if we told that to Paul, 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 he would look at us, right, like, with tears in his eyes and said, no, like, you're, you're missing it. You're missing it. See, it's, it's a privilege to be able to run. It's a privilege to be able to walk. We, we were dead in our trespasses. Like we, we were dead in our sin. Once we were not a people, now we are a people. I want you to get that. I want you to get, like, this is a part of the gospel that we get to strive. And we get to be made, we're made alive to walk. Is it hard? Does it feel suffering? Yes, yeah, we battle against the sin in us and the world around us. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. It's hard. It's what Jesus has called us to. It's, it's an invitation to be a part of something bigger than yourself. And that's good news for us. Dallas Willard said, the gospel or the grace is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. Charles Spurgeon said, he knew himself to be a saved man, but he meant by that same grace to be a holy man. Herman Bavick said that James fought against dead faith. Paul fought against dead works. So family, what we need, what we need today is a faith that's alive, right? We need to strive because we live in a God that's alive. He's, the, he's not the, the God of the dead. He's the God of the living. So, so how do we do that, right? And how do we strive well? I think Paul wants to give us three things in this passage to help us run, to help us strive with gospel endurance. One, Paul wants to give us a gospel engine. Two, a gospel roadmap. And then three, a gospel destination. So to put this another way, I think Paul wants to show us how Jesus is the life, the way, and the truth as we work from God, through God, to God. So first, a gospel engine or Jesus as life. Verse 12, Paul says, not that I've already obtained this or I'm already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. I want to focus on the latter part here, verse 12. Another way to say that is he has taken hold of us or he's seized us or grasped us. I think back the years 2011, 2013, 2015, 2018. Those four years marked the birth of my four boys, right? Love my guys, love my sons. And uh, just anticipation of their birth, right? Getting to meet them. What are they going to look like? Or what are they going to be like? And that, and are they going to be healthy? Are they going to be okay? You get to lock eyes and see, see my boys for the first time, right? New, and, and they're born at new sights, new sounds. It's scary for them. This is a new world. 
Air fills up their lungs for the first time. So what do Jan and I want to do? We want to seize our kids, take hold of them, grasp them, bring them close, comfort them. Say, hey, it's okay. Mom's got you. Dad's got you. We're committed to you. We love you all the days of your life, right? We want to communicate that there in that moment and all the rest of their days, we love them. But the, the problem is, like, I'm, I'm finite, right? I get tired. So my kids wake me up in the middle of the night. That love is, like, running dry, right? <laughs> or I come home from a long day of work, and my kids want to play. Hey, give me 30 minutes, guys, all right? So, so I'm, I'm limited, finite. That's not Jesus, it's not God. He's, he's not finite. He's not limited like I am. But he loves us with an infinite love. When he puts his arms around us, that's infinite glory, right? That's infinite righteousness. So he, he embraces us with a warmer embrace, with a more tender, steadfast embrace. So I'm not going to lose any of you guys. He's faithful. That's, that's good news for us today, that he has embraced us, the one who is the author and sustainer of life, the one who upholds the universe by the word of his power. He's put those hands around us. We work out of that, right? That's, that's life for us. That's transformation for us. Jesus has grasped us. He has seized us. He's taken hold of us. It's good news for us. What do we get derailed though. We've been seized by infinite good God that loves us with an infinite love. Paul gives us two things here. Verse 13, he says, forgetting what lies behind. And he contrasts that with straining to what lies ahead. So there's a type of remembering that's good, right? God's blessed us with memories to look back, pleasant pleasant recollections of things that have happened. We look back um, at what Jesus has done for us. That's good and right. So what what does Paul have in mind here? What's a kind of looking back or not forgetting that's not good? Well, it's, it's a type of looking back that centers life on self, right? Paul has in mind here a lot of his accomplishments, status, but it can be accomplishments, it can be failures, this, this type of thing stifles faith. It hinders us from running. We look back and think, ah, man, if, I, if I'd just taken that career path, right? If I'd, if I'd chosen to do that, if I hadn't had that relationship, if this person hadn't done that to me, I'd be much better off. Or if I could go back and have that job again, if people would view me like they did then, I could have that status. My kids would be like they were then, right? If I could have that mind, that body, whatever, centers life on us. And our life kind of closes in, it curves in on ourselves because it becomes about us, our agenda, our accomplishments, our failures. So friends, I think that that leads to what we see in verse 19. And it says, their end is destruction. Their God is their belly 
Their glory is their shame with minds set on earthly things. We, we look back when eyes are set on ourselves, our failures, our accomplishments, our story. It's a mind set on earthly things. It's a small, small world when it's about us. Something that we can take hold of, right? Something that we can see, something tangible. And that's what happens with sin and idolatry, isn't it? It's something that, that we can see, something that we think we can control. Then take faith. It's not risky, but it's not running. It's a small world. It's, it's life closes in on us, curves inward. But, he, but here's the deal. We, we, think, we think it's safe. We think, hey, this is something I, I can grasp. I can see it's tangible. But guys, our, our idols, they don't love us. Family, they'll, they'll never grasp us with life. What they'll do is they're going to bring death. It says their end is destruction. Our idols will never love you and lay down their life for you. That's what Jesus did. That's what the good shepherd does. Our idols make our life smaller, right? That's, that's bad news. We continue in this way. We, if we proclaim to, to love and follow Jesus, but then we submit to self and idolatry and our flesh and our own passions, then we're in danger of what it says here in 18, walking as enemies of the cross of Christ. We're, we're living a lie. We want to submit to Jesus because we believe that Jesus gives life. We don't find life in ourselves; We find life in him. So what, what is the way? What is, what is the way that, that Jesus and Paul have given for us? So Jesus as the roadmap or the way. Verse 17, Paul says, Brothers, join in imitating me and keep your eyes on those who walk according to the example you have in us. So we're gonna like scratch our head here and like, like Paul, like really? Like you're, you're a man like, like I am, right? Like you put on shoes, socks, you're a sinner. Like, like me, why am, I, why am I imitating you? And like, this is a me and Jesus thing, right? Like, why, why are you stepping in here? You're, I think as a church, we have a healthy understanding that we're, we're all sinners, right? There was one righteous man and he, he died and he paid the price for our sin. But Paul here, like, what, what, what's going on? <clears throat> is he some upper echelon super Christian? He's just trying to pull us up here to, to be like, like he is? No, no, his, his life has power here, or his life, his message here has authority because his life is caught up in the life of Jesus, right? His life is caught up in imitating Jesus' life. So we want to follow people like that, who's following the story of Jesus. I think that's what we see in chapter 3, verse 10. It says, that I may know him in the power of his resurrection, I may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. So it's a life of saying no and yes, right? So saying, saying no to our own sin, comfort of our own sin, our own selfishness, and saying yes to Jesus, saying yes to life in the spirit, saying yes to resurrection power. Chapter two, verse six says, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped or taken hold of. 
but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in likeness of men, being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Jesus in heaven, he was perfectly content, perfectly comfortable, perfectly happy. Now you think about like your, your very, very best vacation, like when you're the most content you've ever been. And like that didn't touch the scale of how content and happy Jesus was. He's millions of times more happy, more comfortable, but he, but he leaves that comfort and he says he doesn't count equality with God a thing to be grasped. What does he do? He grasps us. Now, that's good news. He grasps a cross, grasps suffering. Jesus said no to comfort. He said no to the happiness of heaven so that we could say yes to him, right? So that we could say no to the comfort of sin, to the comfort of selfishness, and we would be invited into this way of living. No to self. No to the things that are going to bring death into your life. No to the things that are going to turn life inward and make you smaller. Jesus means to grow you and transform you to be like him. And to be able to love and serve, actually live. What he wants for us, not to, not to be slaves to our own sin again. Say yes to Jesus, yes to the Spirit as he calls us into hard places. Yes, as we battle against sin in us and the world around us. Tim Keller says that there, we're, we're under two, one of two operating systems. Jesus, who says, my life, my resources for you. It's a better way. That gives life or your life, your resources for me. It just brings, brings death, right? We, we want to, that, that's our default, the selfishness, sin, about us. Jesus says, no, like lose your life to find it. Have a life where you count others more significant than yourself, like Matt talked about last week. It's better to give than receive. Let's believe that that the least in the kingdom can be like, it's going to be the greatest. Jesus is our example in this. He came to serve, not to be served, lay down his life. And if we, if we look at Jesus' life, right, it doesn't look like success. If from, from their vantage point, those living with him, right, just looked like failure. Didn't have a platform, didn't have a lot of success. And that culminated and his death on a cross. What that brought for us, family, is that brought life. The thing that, that looked like shame, embarrassment, disgrace, looks like is, is life for us. That's the same thing that's true now, right? If, if people on the outside look in, like, what, what are they doing? Right? Like restriction, they go to church, and, have real, and it just doesn't look like life. But we know we're, we're pressing in a God who is life. We're saying no to self, yes to Christ, who is life, right? So just to be clear here, 
what, what this is not, this isn't a handing off of the baton where, hey, I got it from here. Jesus, you, you took it this far. God, you took it this far. Now, now I got it. I'm going to prove myself. I'm going to show you now how much I love you. That's not what it is. It's walking with God and the power of the Spirit because God loves us and he has purchased a better way for us of being in the world. So we've seen that Jesus is the engine. He is the life. He is the roadmap. How is Jesus the destination? What does Jesus have for us? Verse 14 says, I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Verse 21, who will transform our lowly body to be like his glorious body by the power that enables him even to subject all things to himself. Jesus has purchased something more secure, concrete for us, waiting for us. And this is what Paul means in verse 12. He's, he wants to grasp this thing, this reality that's coming. He wants to aspire, he aspires to take hold of it. What is this thing? Resurrection, glory, and power. See, right now, it's no and yes. Right now, it's hurting and power. But, but family, one day, it's all going to be yes. It's all going to be good. It's all going to work like it's supposed to. And we live in that light of that reality. Right now, our run is a lot of times a limp. A lot of times it feels like a crawl. But one day, it's all going to be right. It's all going to be like it should. We, we, have, we have this glory, but it's in jars of clay, right? It's in broken cisterns. It's in minds and, and bodies that, that are decaying. The Bible says that outwardly we're, we're wasting away. Inwardly we're being renewed day by day. And so what, what we don't want to happen, what we don't want to happen is to think like this, this world is, is, the, is the normal thing, right? Heaven is the detached, distant, kind of nebulous, disembodied reality. We don't want to start to think that the tears are normal, right? That death is normal. That's what we can start to think. We start to become numb to it. But this, this world is the upside down world. But Jesus came to make it right side up, right? C.S. Lewis says that heaven is reality itself. All that is fully real is heaven. And the unshakable will remain. We, want, we long for glorious bodies. Long for glory these bodies to be remade to what they will be. Verse 20, but our citizenship is in heaven and from it we await a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Notice it does not say, notice what it does not say. It does not say a future citizenship. Family, this is a present reality. This is a present citizenship. Jesus has brought the future into the now. In the midst of our brokenness, in the midst of our pain, right? We want to bring, we want to bring ourselves and others tastes of the kingdom. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Let's give people a taste of that, right? Let's give people a taste of beauty, true, truth, service. That's the reality of heaven. I mean, it's all going to be good. Let's give ourselves and others around us a taste of the good kingdom. 
that Jesus has inaugurated. Gavin Ortland said that Easter wasn't some arbitrary addition to, but rather organic outworking of what the God-man already was in himself. T.F. Lawrence said that what Jesus was in the resurrection, he was in himself. And the resurrection is what happens when the one who is life himself is put to death. And that's the same for us. Jesus has birthed resurrection life, eternal life in us. It's reality, it's real. In the midst of brokenness, in these jars of clay, these broken cisterns, we're waiting for that day when it's going to be fully consummated. No more tears, no more pain. We, we have minds fully know God that walk with him, unhindered by our weakness, our flesh, our sin. We look to, that's the way, that's the truth that Jesus has purchased for us and that's ours in Christ. So how do we respond? I like what Tim said about um, in conclusion a few weeks ago, we, we link arms and we strive together what Paul talks about in verse 13. So let's have one thing. It's like Christ be that one thing. We're, we're pulled in so many different directions. We're tired, fatigued. We can't imagine striving. But Jesus desires to bring wholeness and unity in our hearts and in this church family, right? Daniel talked about we don't strive after unity for unity's sake. We strive after Jesus who brings unity. We're made for him. We want to center our lives on him. Tom Seaver, he was a Hall of Fame pitcher. He pitched 20 seasons and was a 12-time All-Star. He says that pitching is a thing that he loved. It's a thing that he thought about when he wasn't pitching. It's a thing um, that determined what he would eat, what he would drink, how he would sleep, who he would talk to. He said he didn't consider that a loss right? Because pitching is what he loved. It was what made him happy, and he wanted to be happy. And would, would Jesus be that for us? And life throws punches at us. Let's strive together, slowly, committed. It doesn't happen overnight. It's a long race. We link arms together. Let's work to be fascinated by Jesus, because Jesus is fascinating. Let's work to be compelled by Jesus, because Jesus is compelling. So let's push each other to be drawn to him. Secondly, let's be patient and kind with one another. It's hard, right? Paul says in verse 15, let those of us who are mature think this way. If anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Paul says this is the best way to think. This is the mature way to think. He gives grace here. Paul's pastoral. He doesn't shove truth down their throats and say, well, get this together, understand this. Now, now, to be sure, just like Matt talked about last week, Jesus does, and Paul, they, they use harsh words sometimes, usually reserved for those who subvert and malign the gospel. Man, but for, for those whose theological positions are different than ours, right, who are, who are having trouble striving because of brokenness in the relationships, because of sickness, our bodies that are wasting away. And let's, let's come alongside each other with kindness and grace. 
We want truth, but we want it with grace. Let's love each other well. That's what Paul has for us. So in closing, I believe that Paul would give us three things here in this passage. It's a gospel engine or life. Jesus has grasped us. A gospel roadmap. That roadmap is Jesus himself saying no and saying yes in the spirit. And a destination. It's resurrection, power, and glory secured by Jesus as we live life from God, through God, to God. Let's pray. Father, we're, we're thankful that Jesus has secured a better way for us. Jesus gives life. He is the author and sustainer of life. Help us to live in him, to grow up in him. Lord, change us by your word, through your spirit. In Jesus' name.